On podcast 1870, a new innovative battery design. Audi need China's help and record EVs sold in Spain. Those stories and more stick around. Also, we'll talk Rivian and Tesla's bet on energy and the US government buying EVs. Welcome to a new Patreon producer, Bart. Thank you, Bart, for signing up to be a producer of the podcast. I hope I get your surname correct. Is it Stayart or Stayert? Man, I hope to. I always hope to get people's names right. Such a personal thing. Um, Bart, if I butchered it, I'm so sorry. I'm useless. Thank you so much, though, for supporting the work that I do and getting this podcast on the air so that everybody else, thousands of people, can enjoy it a day for free. Thanks to the superheroes who are our Patreon supporters, the companies and the individuals. Check it out, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash EV News Daily if you want to sign up. Well, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Friday 21st of July. My name is Martin Lee and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. Recording a little bit later today, it was a busy one, had the Friday YouTube podcast uh, with the other guys, uh, and I'm still making the Formula One podcasts as well. Uh, so that was Hungary. So it's end up ending up being an, an evening record, which is a bit of a pain. But there we go. The fam are in bed eventually, and uh, I currently have a five year old who is an expert at doing anything but bedtime. There we go. Right, moving on. Uh, Rivian's more affordable dual motor R1T is making their debuts now. The first dual motor versions of the R1T electric truck now available in the shop. Less than two months after they rolled off the production line at the normal Illinois factory, the dual motor version uses their in-house enduro drive unit. They were first made in February. The enduro drivetrain is designed to lower the costs and increase production rates there at Rivian. Also started building their own lithium-ion phosphate phosphate battery packs as well. The combination of in-house drive units and their own battery packs is helping Rivian reduce the input costs for their EVs or the electric drive vehicles uh, by about 25%. The dual motor, R1T, uh, starts at $81,000. They've now got three powertrains. You either go for the dual motor, um, or you can have the dual motor performance, or there's the quad motor. According to Henry Huang, who is Rivian's senior director of powertrains and thermal, uh, he says, look, the basic dual motor version does everything for most people. Couldn't agree more. If you want the performance, if you need it, then go for it. But otherwise... Base model is still a stellar truck. Wish we could get the Rivians here. Now, let's talk a little bit of wash-up from yesterday. I mentioned that uh, I'd written the podcast after, or I was writing the podcast after uh, Tesla's Q2 earnings, but before the call with um, Elon Musk, their CEO, and I didn't want to hang around to the early hours to digest it, and so... Uh, anything that came up on that, I was going to, or any afters, I was going to put on today's podcast. Well, firstly, a little story about Tesla Energy. Uh, The storage business had a big, strong quarter, deploying 3,653 megawatt hours of storage in the last three months. That's over 200% increase on the previous year because of the ramp up of Tesla's first dedicated factory making mega packs in Lathrop, California. Andrew Baglino is the SVP of engineering at Tesla, and he said that the final assembly line at the mega factory is set to come online next year, allowing the factory to reach its 40 gigawatt hour full 
potential capacity. The mega pack continues to see strong global demand, and the company's on track to meet their contracted projects for this year. And the second assembly line at Lathrop is progressing on schedule. That is fantastic news. The energy business, the energy trading business, the retail business, as you as you may have heard, I think Tesla are soon to launch in the UK. We'll have a license anyway to be a retailer. So they'll be actually selling the electricity, not just uh, with a generation license, which, they, which they've, they've had in the past. And so that'll be very interesting to see where that bit of the business goes. It's a much bigger uh, pie, if you like, energy than selling cars. And so that's all very interesting and all very impressive. Two more Tesla things from yesterday. One, I think, is pretty solid. One, which is sort of you know, the pie in the sky stuff a little bit that comes out. But anyway, here's both. You decide. Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, said his strategy to reduce prices now for better margins in the future when their full self-driving software is fully integrated into their cars, which hasn't been well received by investors, by the way, had a 10% drop in Tesla shares uh, after the earnings call. Uh, Elon Musk says that they're engaging in a price war against their EV competitors, and these price reductions are here to stay, despite their margins being at you know, record lows, if you look at recent history. They're record lows in recent record lows. Uh, the decrease in share price took about $90 billion of value off the company in the last 24 hours. But he says that increasing the number of cars on the road helps Tesla maintain their dominant market share, gather valuable data, and that trains the AI models behind the self-driving technology. Did you listen to that call? Did you notice that on just about any tech story these days, they just keep dropping the words, or the letters AI into everything? Like, it used to just be called, you know, training either whatever it is, the supercomputer or the algorithm, and now it's called AI. Oh, we're training the AI because that's the word that gets everybody frothy this year. I don't know, whatever previous years of Bitcoin or something, but this year's frothiness is AI. Everything AI. We're trading the AI, which is why we're doing discounts on the cars. Okay. Um, investors are questioning, though, whether it's worth sacrificing the profitability of the company for technology that has consistently missed any target ever set. The cars weren't driving themselves across the country five years ago. They're not driving themselves across the country now. Investors saying, well, why give up profit for a pie-in-the-sky dream? Elon Musk believes that full self-driving could one day account for more of Tesla's value than anything else. Now, here's that's one story. I think it's very concrete, very interesting. This one, Elon Musk mentioned that the company is in early stages of discussions to license full self-driving to a major automaker. Now, a couple of key phrases in that sentence. One of them is that early stages of discussion, that could be one conversation. Um, Would you like to integrate FSD? It's early discussion. And the other interesting phrase in that sentence is major automaker. So this, this isn't a... Fisker, or this isn't, you know, it wouldn't be lucid anyway, but, you know, it's it's not a niche automaker. It's a major automaker. Elon Musk emphasised they're open to sharing their full self-driving technology. Well, I'm sure they are, because if they're selling it to individuals for $15,000 now when you buy your Tesla, if you want to get it, um, it's going to be a handsome price. They want to also sell other car makers the cameras, the sensors, the computers, everything to integrate it, and that's not going to be less than what they're 
making money on individuals. There might be a discount there for bulk, etc. So it's $10,000. What car maker is going to go, yeah, sure, we'll just add 10 grand to our car to license your technology. And Elon Musk says it's going to be appreciating value as well. So uh, that number's only going up. I don't see it personally, but I think it's a little bit of the old, you know, pumpy, pumpy, let's just talk about things that might happen in the future and get people excited to try and get them to buy a few more stocks and shares and all that kind of stuff. Now, putting self-driving technology into a, a car, if you're a competitor of Tesla, is fabulously complex. It can obviously be done, but multiple cameras, all at the exact angles, and all the self-driving computing power that goes with that. Many companies have developed purpose-built vehicles to test their autonomy. Tesla says they can do level four and possibly higher with cameras only and software. Despite all of the missed deadlines, car makers are lagging behind in their own autonomy. And a partnership with Tesla would get somebody who is lagging right to, I said the front of the queue, but, you know, further up the queue. I don't know. I think that one's a little bit uh, jammed tomorrow, that story. But interesting. You decide. I'll put it in the podcast today. Uh, Right, coming up very soon, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Stellantis and a new battery design and why Audi need help from China. Stick around. Those stories and more are on the way. Hey, if you'd like to strip out the adverts, and you can do that by becoming a producer, executive producer, to get your name in the show notes on the website, and maybe hire if you're a company or just an individual that loves to support the work the kind of people like me, then you can do it at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash EV News Daily. You get your own RSS feed, you copy and paste that into your podcast app, and then it strips out the ads for you. Now let's talk a little bit about Magna International, the world's largest automotive supplier, investing $800 million to expand their operations to become the first supplier for Ford's Blue Oval City in Tennessee. Magna is an automotive contract manufacturer with 341 production and assembly facilities across the US, Europe, Asia, South America, and Africa, with gross profits of $4.6 billion last year. They're a reasonably sized company. Uh, The company supplies components for the GMC Hummer, Rivian R1S, the Lyric from Cadillac, the Ford F-150 Lightning, and this deepens the relationship with Ford to set up two new supplier facilities within the Blue Oval City campus. First one is going to make frame and battery enclosures uh, alongside their facility in Ontario, Canada, and they will supply the Ford F-150 Lightning. The second facility will produce the seats, polyurethane foam seats, for just-in-time delivery. So the minute the vehicles need the seat, hopefully it should just about be finished. Whip it across the road, or however far however far they are away from where the vehicles are made, it won't be too far away, and, uh, and, uh, and bolt them in. Well, Magna has also committed to a third facility in Lawrenceburg in Tennessee, stamping an assembly there. Blue Oval City from Ford should begin some sort of production in 2025 now. Stellantis, in collaboration with the French National Centre for Scientific Research, they're developing a revolutionary, their word, not mine, prototype battery that integrates charger and inverter functions directly into the battery itself. The new design is called Intelligent Battery Integrated Systems. IBIS, that's the name of a budget hotel chain, isn't it? Is the result of over four years of research. They won't be ready until the end of the decade using lithium-ion cells integrating functions directly onto the batteries. It makes them more efficient, reliable, less costly, and makes more space inside the vehicle. The IBIS system 
will give you a decent overnight accommodation and a complimentary breakfast. No, that's wrong. The IBIS system produces an alternating current that can go directly into the electric motor, eliminating the need for an inverter and onboard charger. This results in more cabin space for passengers and reduced weight, and it in turn increases the vehicle's range. They also say that the IBIS system is great for short weekend getaways if you want somewhere clean and tidy with a decent shower in the morning. No, no, the IBIS system also simplifies the manufacturing process, they say, reducing the cost of the EV powertrain. Stellantis wants to have it ready by the end of the decade, and the next step is to build a prototype. Now, Audi is no more IBIS hotel, Chad. Um, Audi's full lineup of electric SUVs has earned the very top IIHS safety rating, the top safety pick plus award from the Insurance Institute. That's the SUVs, uh, the Q4 e-tron, Q4 Sportback, and the Q8 e-tron, and the Q8 e-tron Sportback, getting the top the results. The e-tron GT is not an SUV. It's the uh, you know Porsche cousin car, and that is probably in too low volume, I imagine, uh, to get the full-on range of tests uh, from the IIHS. Now, Audi... And SAIC, a Chinese company, have announced an official collaboration, as I speculated earlier in the week, to develop EVs. The collaboration comes after Audi were rumoured to be talking to SAIC, the owner of brands like MG, to source an EV platform. The movie is seen as an alternative to the delayed platform that Audi were meant to have called SSP, Scalable Systems Platform, from their parent company, Volkswagen. The SSP architecture was going to underpin all the future Audi EVs, but it's delayed because of software. And so they've had to go cap in hand, do a deal with the Chinese, get a platform that at least they can make Chinese vehicles, if not more, but at least to make Chinese vehicles uh, where the Audi is under pressure to improve sales. Uh, the EV platform developed by SAIC for the IML7 saloon uses an 800-volt architecture uh, for wheelbases up to about 3.2 metres, so that's all perfect for the big luxury vehicles that Audi customers want to buy. Now, this is great news in Spain. Love it. Love to see this. The plug-in electric car market in Spain is expanding rapidly. In June, 12,500 new plug-in EVs were registered 66% on the same time last year. It's a new all-time record in Spain. Uh, The market share was 12% of new plug-in electric cars. So, you know, I've talked about UK recently, 25%. Germany, nearest damn it, 25%. Spain, 12%. But like Spain and Italy were always playing a little bit of catch-up. Um, EVs are the fastest-growing segment in Spain. Top-selling cars were, well, you guessed it, Tesla Model Y, the MG4, and the Tesla Model 3. Now, let's move on. And the U.S. government agencies will be tripling their EV purchases from the uh, from this year, actually. 9,500 EVs will be purchased by U.S. government agencies this year, three times the number purchased last year, and spending $770 million. Uh, 26 agencies of the U.S. government have now got approved plans to spend $470 million on the cars and $300 million on the infrastructure. Which sounds a lot to me. What do you think? 470 million on vehicles, I kind of get it. Because what's an EV? 35, 40, 45, 50 grand, depending on what you buy. Well, to spend 300 million compared to 470 on cars, 300 on infrastructure, it's like two thirds. So they're spending two thirds of what they're spending on the cars on infrastructure. 
Like gold-plated chargers they're buying? <laughs> That's amazing. So maybe it's, when they say infrastructure, other things that my tiny brain hasn't thought of, but that seems like a lot of money for the infrastructure compared to the total amount spent actually on vehicles. Uh, this is all the agencies really in the US government, apart from the US Postal Service. Back in 2021, Joe Biden issued an executive order directing agencies to procure zero emissions vehicles. Now, those agencies procure about 50,000 vehicles a year. Uh, with about 9,500 EVs, their share will be 20% procurement of zero emission vehicles, which is much higher than the average American share on the road. And so great news. And finally, Neo Power Day 2023. Uh, their annual event in Beijing happened where they announced they would continue their infrastructure plans, very aggressive plans for their battery swapping at Neo. Sales are picking up, they say. The company started allowing owners to upgrade their battery packs to long range packs on a daily basis. So, say you have a standard range battery pack in your Neo and you are going to go on a seven day or a 10 day or a 24-day road trip, you know, something specific, you can now take it to a battery swap station, get a bigger battery in your car, pay on a daily basis. The uh, The daily upgrade is 50 RMB. It's $7 US dollars equivalent. So $7 a day for the bigger battery. When you're done using the bigger battery, you go back to the battery swap station. They put your bat- the smaller battery back in, and then that's it. You're, you're all equal. You can, you can do 31 days at a time. This is a great idea. Neo also unveiled their 20-kilowatt vehicle-to-grid charger. Adds a discharge function as well, uh, so you can charge when the grid is idle and release power from your vehicles when the grid load is high. Neo now has 1,564 battery swap stations, and they want to add a 1,000 more by the end of the year. The only, I guess, downside, the 150-kilowatt-hour semi-solid-state battery pack they've been talking about, which was going to be out this month in July, is being a little bit delayed. Uh, they say operational readiness is, uh, is is here, but they're not ready to uh, validate those packs, which is taking longer than expected. Can't wait to see that technology on the roads. And that's your podcast for today. Sorry it's late. I've uh, been kind of working on Fridays and Saturdays together, weirdly, um, because... Uh, we've got a busy weekend, so I'm uh, going to get up early on Saturday morning and then do Saturday's uh, podcast. But there we go. Uh, thanks to our premium partners. That'll be you, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one map and one app, and Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, Cinnabar. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. 